0: just the like lakers you're kidding that is really a compliment i was pleased to see you smile at the top part show because once the game starts you have a game face you don't smile much out there I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct.
1: What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. Before we get started, a little favor to ask. Um, our sponsor for this episode is Axios.com. It's a... uh it's a newsletter. Basically, you get curated front page of the of the newspaper type of thing sent to your email inbox, and you'd be helping us out quite a bit if you go to sports.axios.com. It's totally free. You just get a daily, you know, curated front page of the sports page type deal, um, and it'd help our pot out a bit. Uh, but... We have actual basketball to talk about. Darius was at the game in the first basketball game in the Chase Center. And wow, what a night, man. It was it was so much fun to watch Anthony Davis and LeBron James in just like that first half. And even the kids in the third quarter and the second half played really well. That, you know, thoroughly outplayed the Warriors pretty much from start to finish. And so today we're going to talk about our first impressions of that game. I really want to start with the LeBron James-Anthony Davis combo because it is... Not no longer theoretical at this point. We actually saw a game, a preseason game and only a half, but we saw him actually in purple and gold, right? And and got to see what that's like. I'm curious from your observations in person, Darius, of just your general thoughts on AD and also LeBron and AD together. Cause I have, my brain's been really, really churning ever since seeing that. And so I've got some thoughts myself, but I want to hear yours first. What What did you see from inside the building?
2: I wrote about this today, actually, at Four and Blue and Gold, but I think some of the talk about, oh, people have forgotten how good Anthony Davis is. I think that's, that's a storyline that's been a little bit overdone during the offseason. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think, like, not having seen him play in a while, and especially at a high level level or in extended minutes because of how the second half of the season went in New Orleans, it was nice to get a little bit of a reminder about why Anthony Davis is so special. And I think he showed Mm -hmm. a fair amount of that last night. And in person, I think the thing that stood out to me was a, his size and his length, his general bounciness and athleticism and just sort of his understanding of how to leverage those things in order to get in scoring positions so easily, like whether it's on the offensive glass or in how he screens and then was rolling and um, always keeping sort of this angle to receive a pass. He did so many just fundamentally correct things. And in a lot of ways, it sort of reminded me of Kevin Garnett. Mm. I saw Garnett yeah. play in person a fair amount when he was with the Timberwolves. I've lived in Oakland a long time and so when all these superstar players used to come through the Bay Area and and play some you you know below average to average Warriors teams before that we believe era, I saw a bunch of guys come through there and and Garnett's Timberwolves were always a team that I made sure that I caught and Davis just sort of reminds me of Garnett in a lot of ways but like stronger.
1: Yeah, he's bigger than KG was, but that's a great comparison. And
2: just broader shoulders, um, the plays, all those plays where he was sort of second and third jumping around the rim to sort of keep balls balls alive that 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 play where he ended up getting the and one like on the dunk and and a couple of the follow dunks, just everything that he was doing around the basket, I thought, oh my goodness! Like, when's the last time the Lakers had someone like this? Um, yeah, and man. honestly, it's it's really been a long time. He reminded me. He reminded me of
1: Shaq, like in in a different way, but just from like an experiencing it as a Laker fan type of way, like a an unstoppable force around the basket. Like there is no chance that those dudes can do anything with this dude type of domination that, or like Bynum would kind of flirt with that from time to time in the right matchups. And when he was going well, but just that, like there's no, they've got no chance. I was going to
2: say he looked like young Bynum matured. So like Bynum Mm -hmm. before the knee injuries, um, but matured and filled out. And knowing great understanding of how to play the game, LeBron was really
1: complimentary of him in the post game interview about his basketball IQ, which is not something that we talk about with AD a lot. But he's right on the money with that. All of those things you're talking about with like screening angles and knowing when to dive from the perimeter, either for a cut or for uh, an offensive rebounding opportunity. How to stay in the passing window on a ball screen. Those are all you know basketball IQ type of plays that he's so remarkable from a physical standpoint that it's easy to lose track of the thing
2: that stood out to me was how many times he switched the angle on the screen so Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's um in the lakers playbook right to sort of play it that way you you sort of highlighted that flat angle screen um what like Mm -hmm. one of those that davis set for lebron in that great video you put out overnight but he did a lot of setting up on one side and then reading the ball handler and then switching his angle for the screen to get a piece of the ball handler. He did that a bunch. He
1: did that with yes. Rondo a lot. Yeah, on
2: a lot of those Rondo balls. Yeah, so ball he screens. did that a ton. And those are small little tricks of the trade that really help grease the wheels for, for your offense and really get your ball handler going. So for a Lakers team that doesn't have a bunch of skill level in terms of pick and roll ball handling, right? Like they've got LeBron, they've got Rondo, but that's, Caruso can do some of that, too, but that's basically it. And I think some of the things that Davis does in being able to get pieces of the defender on on those screens, that's going to help guys like Quinn Cook and Contavious Caldwell Pope and even Avery Bradley um, when they end up in sort of secondary ball screens right? In order to get them a bit of an angle or a bit of space that they can't create for themselves with like natural ball handling craft, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be more prevalent in like, we'll get to Rondo in a bit, but Lord knows I have a lot of complaints about Rondo. Last night's game was not indicative of the, this is why Rondo shouldn't play. Like he, he had his good moments, he had his bad moments, but I thought overall he was fine. And I think it's important with Rondo to, not view him, not view him through fresh eyes because he's going to be thirty four this year he is who he is, but to judge him based on his actual play rather than you know hold last year against him, and you saw a d bring out like some of that, like, oh, okay, yeah, this is why having Rondo out there, you in that post on Form Blue and Gold, you mentioned like how Caruso doesn't have quite the same command of the point guard position, which doesn't necessarily mean he's worse at playing the position, but just like that command. And there's a presence,
2: there's a presence that Rondo has, and you can understand, and I'm with you about Rondo, so I don't want to make it seem like we're hyping him up here, Right. What I am saying, though, is I can understand why teammates respect him the way that they respect him, the ones who truly sort of are like, they're going to bat for him because let's get more into Rondo
1: in a bit. Let's 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 hold off on that. Just the the combination of him and AD, like he really knows how to get AD the ball. And we saw that on a a few occasions. That's right. Um, There are two things that stand out to me, and they're both not just with Anthony Davis individually but with the combination alongside LeBron James. There's been a lot of talk that in the current NBA this season we don't have really a big 3, but we have a lot of duos around the league. For one, we've theorized like that they're going to be a really great fit together seeing it and seeing the actual manifestations of how they are a great fit together. You look at the other duos around the league and Like, it's more of a taking turns type of scenario, right? Where Westbrook, Harden, Kawhi, Paul George, LeBron, AD, like, LeBron's pressure that he puts on the front of the rim is, like, AD is just going to eat on that day after day after day. And the thing is, is like you can be in a drop coverage, which is what you should be in against a LeBron AD pick and roll. But LeBron is just going to attack you and drive at you and has a good chance of finishing at the rim. And if he doesn't, the whoever switched off of LeBron now has to keep AD off of the boards. Who's crashing in from behind on that one uh, play in my video, you know, where he, where AD set that flat angle ball screen, that was the outcome of it, but they're going to be manifestations of that over and over again. God help us. When, you know, AD actually starts hitting his jumper, seeing the complementary nature of their skill sets in action really I know it's one game, it's preseason. I don't want to hype the, the hell out of it. But seeing, like, the skill sets aren't going to change. Like, who they fundamentally are is not going to change. We'll see that in the regular season. They are a duo... That's on a different tier than any other duo in the NBA. Not simply because of their, oh, you know, LeBron's ranked number, you know, whatever in the NBA and 80s ranked number this. It's the combination of them and the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. So that's one thing. Like, I, I don't even think there's another duo that's on the same tier as them because of that. Secondly, a thing that stood out is they're both freaks in a you know in an athletic and physical sense. And I don't think you can say that about any other duo, right? Like it's different Steph Curry was out on the court and Steph is obviously one of the game's all-time greats, but he is not physically overwhelming and I'm curious what that looks like when you've got a duo that's like it's two dudes not that are just great players, but they are like how do you possibly stop that do you see where i'm going with that what what are your thoughts yes. generally on
2: on on that idea no i think that that's totally right so you had mentioned how ad reminded you of shaq a little bit earlier right not in terms of um like girth and pure size but just in terms of his ability like around the basket and just how he moved and his ability to to sort of like high point of rebound and then go right back up with it or or crash it it's just
1: an overall like you have no chance like you have to
2: have certain attributes at a certain level to even have a prayer of of stopping him so when you're talking about that sort of physical dominance or physical ability and that freakishness like Kobe and Shaq Right, mm-hmm. like th- this idea that oh my goodness, these guys are sort of on another level athletically than most of their peers. Like when you were talking about players whose games, who are sort of star level guys, who are complementary of of each other, the duo that sort of came to mind is a much younger duo who has not yet achieved the status that LeBron and and Davis have and that sort of like Luca and Porzingis huh right and all offseason so many people have been saying like oh you c- kind of got to watch out for the Mavs right like if if Porzingis is right you're not going to find too many other duos that complement each other the same way that Luca and KP do and I think that that's totally true the thing is that All of that is also true for LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but they're LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Right. And and Doncic doesn't come with that like
1: physically overwhelming athletically element of it, right? For as skilled as he is, he doesn't
2: bring that to the table. That's right. But he does bring a certain amount of like size and and strength and And skill
1: um, to go along with that. Skill
2: level and and Coordination, um, one of the things that I think of when I think of Doncic a lot is some of the stuff that you talked about with Lonzo last year about like acceleration and deceleration and how those weren't necessarily things that Lonzo had in in his game. Mm-hmm. Dantage is a guy who has that stuff in, Very much so. in his game, right? And, and so that's a different type of athleticism, like sort of James Harden type athleticism. That's right. Um, anyways, we're, <laughs> as we're prone to do, we've diverged a little bit. So... When we get back to LeBron and and Anthony Davis, I totally feel you 100% about that level of physical ability. And when you combine that with both of their skill levels, and then both of them, how smart they are, that's problematic for other teams. One of the things I really appreciated about the way that they played with and off of each other too, was that... They found ways both on and off the ball in a bunch of different screen type of actions that really opened the game up for both of them, right? And so you highlighted that play with that high ball screen. LeBron attacks the basket. Um, He misses the layup, but Davis comes and tips it in. In your video, you also highlighted that pin down action where LeBron came off a pin down. He curled off that, caught the pass pocket bounce pass to Anthony Davis, Davis dunk for a finish. There was also that great action out of horns, which I saw in real time, and I was like, oh, that's a great horns action, like elbow get, which was an action that the Suns used to run a lot between Boris Diaw and um, Amari Stoudemire, and also Sean Marion and Amari mm-hmm. Stoudemire, where that ended up being a lob a lot of times for Amari. The Lakers ran that yesterday. Entry pass from Rondo to LeBron. Rondo cuts topside and then goes to the empty corner, and then AD that's a ball screen for LeBron. Everyone drops. LeBron just pulls up and casually hits a 16 footer. There's going to be so many different types of screen actions, both on and off the ball, handoff actions that the Lakers are going to be able to to incorporate. And it's going to be a nightmare for defenses, man.
1: What did you think of Vogel vis-a-vis like just you know first impressions this is early in the preseason and all that but just like the general concepts of how he got lebron and ad into those actions
2: i liked what i saw generally um a lot of stuff was very simple and mm-hmm. i'm fine with that honestly like i don't think you need to recreate the wheel When we had Coach Piper on and we talked about Frank Vogel's offense, a lot of the stuff that we had talked about were multiple screen actions for guys and how he was going to do a lot of screening in order to get a guy open, in order to get an elbow touch. There wasn't a lot of that to me now my vantage point was much different from the tv vantage point so i would love to hear if you were seeing things from the tv angles because then maybe i can complement that off of what i was seeing from an elevated angle like because like sure. it, it's scouts totally were sitting right in front of me so that's sort of the angle that i had on the game but i'd love to know what it looked like from the tv side
1: yeah, it was simple offense run well. Um, it was it was interesting the difference between the first half and the second half. Uh, the second half was a lot was even simpler than the first. They had a couple. Of, they had the C series or circle series, which is kind of like the you know KCP pa- or Crusoe passes to KCP and then KCP passes it back to Crusoe and then gets like a flare screen to the wing. Um, they ran some pistol uh, a lot of delays, you know, handoffs uh, up top. Whereas in the first half, there were a lot of ball screen variations. The main thing, and I'll get more into this in a future video. I really liked what Vogel did with the two big lineups with his short pick and rolls, which is not to be confused with short rolls. but basically it's a high ball screen with usually AD setting the screen, but he can be in the other position. So AD sets a high ball screen. And then the, uh, the other big, be it JaVale, or Dwight is in the dunker spot, usually opposite side of the roll lane because you don't want them to get in each other's way, but it can be on the same side uh, depending on the variation and who you're trying to get to the ball to on that. I thought that was a good job of like, because that's one thing I've been wondering is how are you going to take advantage of Anthony Davis's roll ability when you've got two extra bodies in the paint? And that's a, that's a very good set to be able to do that. So, you know, the, it's one game and, you know, he'll implement more and more, but I thought the offense was further along, and that's impacted by more veterans on the team as well than it's been at this point in camp in the last several seasons. So that was really encouraging to see. And just, yeah, overall, I was, um, I'm was i happy with Vogel so far, and I think his personality fits the team really well. well. There was one play I was cracking up uh, in the f- late third or maybe early f- uh, to mid-fourth quarter. Caruso, he wanted Caruso to set up a spread pick and roll, and you could hear him say, go left, go left then go right, you know, left, then right, left, then right. And you could hear it, you know, because Chase Center was, sounded like a library at certain points. I'm curious about your thoughts on that in person. Uh, but... You know, Vogel, like, he had a very clear, determined, like, not only is this the play we're running, this is how I want you to run the play from a... And and it's all about, like, setting up your man for the screen to maximize the effectiveness of that spread, pick, and roll. So, yeah, I I was really happy with, you know, the early returns on Vogel.
2: We'll see, but so far, so good. I liked... Speaking to Vogel's sort of personality and his demeanor, those were things in both pre and post-game availability with him that I was impressed with. And this is something I've been impressed with him about since his opening presser. And I spoke to a couple of the beat guys who have been around the team a little bit, and I, I impressed upon them that I've really liked Vogel's demeanor and just sort of how he carries himself. And doesn't seem too well too high or too low and and definitely shows the experience he has in how he deals with the media and how he he answers questions right at the first part of post game availability Trudell asked him you know your first impressions and I thought he gave like the perfect answer where he basically said I'm excited about what we can be and I think we showed some of that in Flashes tonight which I thought that basically described to me exactly how that game was. Chase Center was a little bit quiet but I honestly thought Thought that was because the Warriors were getting rolled. Yeah, there were some super loud moments for the home crowd, um, mostly centered around some some of the stuff that Steph was doing um, when he hit a couple of threes and looked a little bit lively with well with the ball. They they got excited for a couple of Russell plays, um, and for the most part, the crowd was good. I've been to. Oakland crowds and I've been to San Francisco crowds, the the San Francisco crowd was certainly more of a different demographic to say it nicely. Um, Right. But that doesn't make them a worse crowd. It just makes them a different crowd. Right. One of the things that I'm interested in seeing with Chase Center in general is whether or not um, that crowd is as um, tuned in, As the Oracle crowd was if I've been to a lot of games at Oracle and one of the things that I can speak to and I'd imagine it's very similar at Staples on like a random Tuesday or Wednesday night, right? When there is sort of that diehard fan that's in attendance that knows that is knows how to read the game and knows when the crowd and the crowd, the crowd understands their role in being able to help pick up the team or get them to mm-hmm. a different level. Mm-hmm. Oracle was very much like that. Um, I'll be very interested to see if Chase is the same way. So that's my last thing about the Chase Center. It, but it's a great new building. If you're ever in the Bay Area, I'd recommend just going to see like a Crown Jewel type arena. Someone described it as um, sort of like Chase Center looks like the inside of your iPhone, and and <laughs> it, it very much is like that. It's 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 just a state of the art place, and and it was a great place to watch a game. Um, it was even better that. <laughs> I got to watch the Lakers just blow the doors off of the Warriors.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that, that was fun, man. Hopefully a sign of things to come. Lord knows we're going to play them enough times. All right, let's take a quick break. And afterward, we're going to get into some of the positional battles, the early returns on those. Following a team you love in 2019 can be time consuming. Trying to follow everything happening in sports is almost impossible. Scrolling through every app and visiting every website on a daily basis is impossible. That's why I subscribe to Axios Sports, the best free daily newsletter in the land. Axios Sports is a modern sports page delivered directly to your email inbox. When you sign up for free at sports.axios.com, you'll get the best stories from the NBA and NFL to cricket and ping pong and everything in between. Axios Sports also highlights the most important stats and trends, giving you the ability to stay informed. It's super simple to sign up, and it's free. That's sports.axios.com. Not only will you be caught up, you'll be the friend sharing an amazing link with your buddies. Join the 100,000 sports fans who get caught up on their day before it even begins. And best of all, there's no paywall, no subscription fee, nothing. This is free, curated sports content delivered directly to you sign up at sports.axios.com. Again, try for free at sports.axios.com. And while we're here, humans have been shaving for thousands of years, and the secret to a great shave, it hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge you to add gimmicky features to their razors. I love Harry's because it gives me a close shave, easy glide, at a low price. Do us a favor and check out harrys.com backslash blue wire for your free trial today. I like how convenient Harry's is. It can be a pain to get out and get a new razor, but they'll deliver it to your door on schedule with or without a subscription. And there's no risk to you for trying them out. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Listeners of my show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com backslash blue wire You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade A rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry And easy to grab on the go go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to start shaving better today All right, so let's start with the uh, you know the great point guard debate we've been having since this offseason uh Avery Bradley started in that spot and was tasked with picking up Steph Curry full court and you know being a pesky defender i think he only got a couple shots up he missed a layup and then missed uh, you know a pull up jumper off of the dribble long mid range shot but he was out there for different reasons rondo got a ton of run in the first half got 19 minutes uh Quinn Cook was out Completely with a, you know, nagging quad injury that my understanding is that's not that serious. And then Alex Crusoe played the majority of the second half. Um, Let's start with Bradley. What did you notice out of him in his stint in that first half?
2: I liked his aggressiveness defensively. Um, He was definitely getting into Steph full court. Um, I just like the way that he competed on on that end. He didn't spend his whole night on Steph. There were some cross matches at times, but he looked into it defensively. He looked active, picked up a couple of, you know, cheap fouls. I think that's going to be something that he's probably going to have to get back to the ref's understanding that he's going to be playing a certain way, right? So I think that mm-hmm. at, if a guy plays physically a, an, an entire game and over the course of an entire season that refs adjust to him more than a player starts to adjust to to the refs. I think Bradley could be that type of defender. Um, I was encouraged by how he looked defensively from my vantage point. Did I'm wondering on TV, did it look like he was as into guys as it looked from my vantage point? Yeah, I, I think he may be a little too aggressive. I can see how he's
1: a, a guy who What's the old wooden quote about, like, don't mistake achievement. activity for yeah. yes. Uh, achievement? Yes, that's that's the one. Um, there are some times where he is aggressive to the detriment of what the play calls for. That said, the bigs behind him really fit his style of defense. Um, but all in all, I was really happy with him. He's strong. He's That's one thing that I really noticed. He's a really strong guard, and I think that— going along with the theme of like the overall physicality of this team we really think of that in terms of the bigs and then lebron is a -a one-of-a-kind wing in that respect um but he he fits in that mold too danny green does as well um to where this can be a group where all five guys especially you know the lineups that have kuzma out there kuz is not a guy i would describe as strong relative to his peers anyway um but for the most part like the main guys on this team you could put out a a really good lineup with like dudes that just are, are going to push you around and you may be able to match that in a one-on-one type of sense you mentioned this in your post on form blue and gold i like everyone talking about how big philly is lakers ain't that far behind man like this is a big and strong team and Avery bradley plays into that There was a a common theme between him, Caruso, and Rondo in terms of like they need things to be just right to be a scorer from the perimeter specifically like to uh, on their jumpers they'll make open shots and even Caruso shot you know forty eight percent from three on uh you know I think fifty attempts last year he's. He's not a guy who can let it fly, right? And that's the commonality between Rondo, Caruso, or Bradley, regardless of how well they're shooting. Quinn Cook, I'm really curious to see how he fits into this dynamic because he's the one guy who can. Like Danny Green hit a three going to his right in transition uh, off of a pass from LeBron. That's like only shooters make that shot, right? Quinn Cook is capable of doing that. So I'm curious of seeing how he fits in on... That aspect of things. Now we touched a little bit on Rondo. Um, He, you know, got 19 minutes in that first half. He was the first sub for Avery Bradley after he got picked up his second foul. Um, You know, I touched on a little bit earlier about the idea that I didn't think that was a bad game from Rondo at all. Like he was fine. But I'm curious, what are your more in-depth thoughts of his performance?
2: I thought he had really good chemistry with Anthony Davis, and I could understand better now after seeing them or after seeing that sort of carry over from New Orleans to Los Angeles now, why his quotes are how they are about Rondo. Mm -hmm. That one play, and you highlighted this in your video as well, where Rondo looked like he was shooting up a floater, but Davis caught it and dunked it right and you could say that that Mm -hmm. was a shot to me live it looked like a pass like in the arena Hmm. um it looked like rondo saw davis lurking in that sort of dunker spot baseline and fired it up there and davis knew right like that's the thing is and that play as well where Uh, Davis got out in transition I think he might have leaked out and he was starting to get into his post up around the dotted line area on on the left block he felt his defender leaning on him and he just drop stepped right right out of that and then caught that lob for the reverse dunk that was a pass Mm -hmm. from Rondo as well those types of plays he has real chemistry with AD he knows how to get him the ball When and where he likes to receive passes. There was even a nifty bounce pass that Rondo tried to throw to Davis, which was the right pass, but he skipped it a little bit and it didn't bounce up Mm -hmm. as high and it looked like it hit Davis around the shins instead of like at the knee. Yeah. Um, But even that was the right play and Davis was reaching down to grab that pass. And if it would have skipped up the way that it was supposed to, he would have had another shot like right at the basket. There was a lot of good chemistry between them and I understand. Stand why now they're a good pairing. Um, mm-hmm. That said, the stuff between him and LeBron, I thought the ball sharing between them was just a little bit clunky. And yeah. um, that's a carryover from last year. I don't know of a way to fix that, honestly, when they're both going to be on the court. I thought Rondo played a little bit too much. I would have preferred to have seen Caruso In the first half, (laughs) that just to get him some burn with some players who I would love to see Caruso play off of, right? Like Caruso basically playing in a G League game in the second half doesn't tell us anything about Alex Caruso. We already know that he's good enough to play at the NBA level and that he's sort of outgrown that G League environment, right? With a bunch of guys who are maybe marginal NBA players. So I would have preferred to have seen Caruso get a little bit of burn with those groups. The area where Rondo was better than last year, but where I thought there was still a drop-off was defensively.
1: Yes, I completely agree with that. I actually thought he was, for Rondo, that was a solid defensive performance, but that still comes with uh, several Yeah, I thought
2: that he just... um, he to me from from where I was from my vantage point, he was having trouble chasing Steph Curry, mm-hmm. and he was trying, which is probably an upgrade from
1: what he was doing for most of last year. But yeah, he you know just technique wise and even just foot speed, you know, and because he's not the biggest guy, right? So. In order to chase a guy like Steph, who's, you know, one of the best to ever do it in terms of how to run a guy off of screens, you've got to have,
2: you know, either perfect technique and or the closeout speed. and he Yeah, has or worth. just much better size. Right. And, and so right, Rondo right. does not have the size to close out effectively and still where he can close out a little bit short and still get his hand up to maybe contest while still giving himself enough space to slide with him. So he was closing out. Fairly well against Steph on some of these actions where he was come coming off of screens, but then Steph was getting by him off of the dribble and getting to positions where then he's forcing help. So I thought Rondo's ability defensively, just like you said, he was trying. Um, he was not dying on on as many screens. I liked his activity out there, but it was a drop off from what we saw from the other guards who were out there defending, even KCP. Right. And so of the four guards that the Lakers basically played in in the first half, to me, Rondo was clearly the worst defensively behind behind Bradley Green and KCP in whatever order you want to rank those.
1: No, that's absolutely the case. And uh, so as far as my thoughts on Rondo offensively, you know, like you said, we saw the chemistry with A.D. I thought the offense had a little less. Maybe ball movements maybe not the word, although I would venture a guess that we saw fewer passes per possession. I thought he over-dribbled, and this is a, you know, tendency of of Rondo, right? We saw him take several wide open shots where the defense wasn't defending him at all, and he hit a couple of those, right? Um, but when the Lakers are able to get into his five outsets with Rondo, that's when he's a lot more effective because you can make that pass, be it the pick and pop or the pick and roll to the roll man, or you're making a very basic roll skip type of read. Um, he, he drives me crazy with sh- the shots that he does not take. And I'm not talking about behind the three point line, but rather he comes off a ball screen and gets downhill. He's, First, second, third option looking to yeah. pass that ball, and there was a couple of times where I'm like, "Dude, just shoot it right!" But he, but he's not good at that shot. He's never been good at that shot, and that's kind of what you get with that. Um, I, I think you hit the you know nail right on the head on the defensive end in terms of what he brought in that like. I, you know he he gave decent effort, but you know there was a communication um, on a, on a yes. split cut where Steph got a layup, um, and it was between him and KCP. And, and Rondo was supposed to pick up the guy. They were supposed to switch that. They were switching one through four throughout the you know most of the night, and just little plays like that that are you know he gave up an offensive rebound to Steph because he just you know watches from the weak side. Steph Curry should not be climbing up your back from an offensive board right so you know it's one game and we're analyzing the hell out of it because it's been way too long since we had a laker game to analyze
2: but there was uh, like there was one play that i wanted to highlight about rondo that to me signifies some of the frustration that you had pointed out earlier about his want or not want to shoot there was a play where um And this got a a lot of attention from when I scrolled my Twitter timeline to well today sort of highlighting Draymond Green's defensive brilliance because there was a play where the Lakers ran a quick screen, screen and roll with LeBron, but it was basically to get a switch. Right. And so I think LeBron set set the screen and then went to the nail, called called for the ball and had the ball in isolation, I think, against. Oh, what's his name? Damian Lee. Right. And so he Mm -hmm. started to go one on one against Damian Lee. Draymond was lurking underneath sort of playing free safety near near the dunker spot. LeBron then drives hard right, spins back to to his left, and boom, Draymond Green is right in his lap, right? Great defensive right. play from from Draymond to sort of stonewall LeBron and put him in a position where he has to be a passer. Rondo was the player who was now lurking right in the dunker spot, and he's in a position with where Steph Curry is... Playing free safety now and having to guard two. Curry is in between Rondo, and then I can't remember who was in the corner. It might have been KCP, it might have been Danny Green. I'm not even sure. But what mm-hmm. from my angle, and this was so clear to me from the angle that that I had, Rondo understood there was an open man in the corner so when LeBron jumps to pass him the ball Rondo is already looking to sort of throw this crazy pass that's going to go to the corner so he doesn't he should have said he should have set a pin screen so that you can get
1: that pass to the corner and then the closeout yes, and gonna so be like, he should have
2: like- set the screen exact so The the perfect play is he sets a screen on Curry so that LeBron can pass to the corner, right? But if he's not going to set that screen, he needs to step to the ball, right? Catch the ball and get a layup because that's his finish right there. He's going to catch the ball and basically get a right hand reverse layup to, to his strong hand right there. That's all he had to do Instead, though, he half stepped to the ball. And from my angle, it looked like it was because he wanted to make that catch and then instantly start to throw a pass to the corner. And so it's that mindset of he is thinking pass so often that it can limit real scoring opportunities that will exist for him. And those help the team more right? Then making yep. the extra pass that he wants to make certain times. And I know that this is a nitpick on Rondo. And overall, I 100% agree with you. I thought this was a fine Rondo game. He played a little bit more than I would have liked, but there could be a, a myriad of reasons for that. One of them, I think chiefly, the coaching staff pro- probably knowing he's not going to play at all in the second half. And so let's get right. him his his, you know, 16 to 20 minutes in the first half. And that'll be that. So I'm not super concerned about the minutes at this point. And overall, I thought he looked fine.
1: Yeah. And and to be clear, me saying that like Rondo was was fine in that game is no, you know, not advocating for him to have a bigger role or, oh, hey, maybe this will work. Although like the version of this where I will be least frustrated is Rondo on the court with Anthony Davis to start, like, second quarters. And they're running spread pick and rolls, you know, just spacing the floor, having AD just dive toward the basket, put a couple of shooters around him, your KCPs, maybe Quinn Cook in the backcourt next to him. Yeah, no, Rondo,
2: KCP, Kuzma, Jared Dudley, Anthony Davis. Right.
1: Right. That's right. And, and, you know, spread the floor and, you know, let Rondo do what Rondo does. Like, that's, you know, I I would still prefer Caruso or or Cook or somebody else in that spot instead. But that's the version that irritates me the least. So speaking of Caruso, um, he played not at all in that first half. And then the vast majority of the second half. In that second half, I thought he was the best player on the floor, which is what you want out of that. But like you said earlier, you don't learn much about Caruso in that sort of environment. They started the second half with Devontae Kaycock at the four and JaVale McGee at the five, right? So two guys who don't space the floor at all. And I thought Crusoe did an excellent job of not just being, you know, best player on the floor through skill set, but really organizing the offense. I thought they ran their sets really well. What you'll see in in these type of preseason games in the second half, it's more indicative of what the coach wants to do because all of the guys on the court there are there are no LeBrons, there are no Stephs, no ADs who kind of like warp the floor. The talent discrepancy between your group of five and our group of five is not that big, right? So you're going to run your plays a lot more than you would it, when you have these superstar type of guys, where because it makes sense to go to them and to warp your offense and and you know funnel what you're trying to do toward them. um So Caruso did a good job of organizing the offense, but it's just in these less than ideal type of scenarios. On you know the good side of things, I thought he learned from a couple of pick and roll mistakes yes. early on. I thought his The pacing on how he came off of ball screens, he, you know, the, so on the first play that he was in, he came off of uh, a flare screen and he should have shot a catch and shoot three, but he passed that up and then tried to get into a ball screen situation with JaVale, I believe, rejected the ball screen, driving to his left, and then tried a little dump off pass on a bounce pass. Uh, And even without the lob, he should have kept attacking and trying to, you know, finish and get... Mari Spellman to commit to him, and then he can dump it off there. And then he had a couple of ball screen situations after that, where I thought he did a, a pretty good job. He had one where he tried to throw a lob to Javelin and got deflected out of bounds, where he probably should have pulled up for an elbow jumper. But all in all, like I thought he really orchestrated things really well while playing solid defense. There were a couple of times he got off his feet and got beat off of the dribble. But all in all, I thought it was a good performance. And I, I'm hoping and thinking that since this is a battle between, like there are a lot of guys who can arguably be in, you know, play this position for the Lakers between Bradley, uh, Rondo, Caruso and Cook. And so I'm hoping that in the second game that maybe it's Rondo who sits the whole first half or, you know, somebody else. And then you get a chance to see Cook with all of the, you know, the main guys, the rotation guys. But considering the circumstances that Caruso was in, what were your impressions of how he played it?
2: I thought he played well, so you covered basically everything that I was going to say. I would definitely want to re-highlight the fact that I did think that he learned from some of the tactical mistakes that he made early on in his shift and found ways to then make the right play and make the right read way more consistently after that first possession that you highlighted. Later on, I think this was in the fourth quarter, he he did the same exact thing, held the ball and elevated as if he was going to shoot again and drew the defender and then got a dump off. I think it was maybe to Dwight Howard who got a dunk. There were a bunch of little plays where, where Mm -hmm. I thought, Oh, like, Oh, how very learning machine of you, Alex Caruso, (laughs) right? Because all of the things that the defense was doing to sort of, um, uh, like squeeze him he would see it once or twice and then he then just proceeded to beat it and those are the things where i'm like ah okay like like you get it you know how to play this well well this position and it's one of the reasons why after the game what i said earlier stands like, I just wish I would have been able to see him get some reps with players who would make things easier for him and amplify him a little bit more. Because in a way, I think Rondo benefited from that greatly with the players who he got to share the floor with. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to see that same benefit given to Alex Caruso.
1: Yeah, and hopefully we'll see that in the upcoming games. Um, Well, that was all in all, man. It was such a fun night. Uh, I I hope you had a blast in the Chase Center watching AD for the first time. He's a monster. uh, And my hopes for this team, and yes, it's one preseason game, but just seeing the synergy between LeBron and, and AD, like we talk about, you know, the point guard battle. We'll talk about the center position in the next pod between JaVale and Dwight and what we saw there. Um but the LeBron and AD chemistry gets so much of the way there that these margins do matter, but I'm, I'm really encouraged by what this team can be. So, and soon we're going to be ramping up to twice a week. That'll probably, we'll probably start that as the regular season is starting. Uh, again, if you could help us out, go to sports.axios.com and sign up for that newsletter, that'd be helpful. And you've been listening to Laker film room podcast and we will catch you next time.
0: The has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tipped to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's the anyway,
3: Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game.
0: Gamble in and out. The ball is tipped, and it's saved. Three seconds left. Here's Van Exel. This is for the win. He got it. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds performance by Kobe. Shot with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA finals record.
3: A lot of Laker fans sticking guess, around so, for this.
0: You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP you're chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I know Red Arbach is uh, rolling over. Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? How strong was that? A triple on a fall away in the corner with a shot locked down. Lakers by three. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. And the critical part was Pietras jogging back. Didn't bounce the floor. It's a two-for-one situation. Kobe Bryant picked up by Powell. There's the move. Two, one, miss Unbelievable. Ryan. Yes. And oh. well, that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to <laughs> injury, Kobe. I mean what a shot. I mean you can't defend that. Are you kidding me?